Those in spiritual authority must exhibit godly character and perform their ministries with holiness and respect for the things of the Lord with which they are entrusted. This is the current focus of our Heavenly Authority series taught by Pastor Greg Scalzo. And this is Shi'ar Jeshub, a Bible study broadcast from the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing the sermon preached by my husband from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2. We have seen the horrendous sins of Hophni and Phinehas, priests of God at Shiloh, and the sons of the high priest Eli. These two men, though serving at the tabernacle, did not know the Lord and treated the sacrifices the people brought with contempt. They stole from both men and from God, and they made the people of Israel abhor the offering of the Lord. Moreover, they committed immorality with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle. When we left off last time, we saw Eli confront his sons about their evil dealings, which he has heard from all the people. But in verse 25, we are told that they did not heed the voice of their father, because the Lord desired to kill them. Now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg. But here, Hophni and Phinehas are sinning against God, and more so in their position of authority, they're trampling on the things of God. And those things of God speak of God's mercy. The sacrifices that they're stealing speak of God's mercy. And they really have no concern whatsoever. It's not as though, you know, you look back in your life and you remember the things you've done. You say, Lord God, I've sinned against you. Against you only I've sinned, David said. And you bring it before the Lord and we have the intercessor in Christ Jesus. They're trampling on the intercessor. They're trampling on the mercy. They're trampling on the sacrifices of God. And they're not concerned whatsoever about the things of God, only about themselves. And it brings to mind another scripture in Hebrews, later on in chapter 10 and verse 26, when it says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God on the foot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Verse 31, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And Eli knows that. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Those who the writer of Hebrews speaks about in the New Testament have a very similar attitude to Hophni and Phinehas. They're trampling on the things of God, the revelation of God. They should know better, and they don't care. 
They just care for themselves. And they're playing with fire. Certainly they knew about Nadab and Abihu, how God struck them dead at the first consecration. But what happens here? It says they did not heed the voice of their father because the Lord desired to kill them. Common sense should have made them repent. A rational fear of God, knowing the presence of God in that place, should have made them repent, even if they didn't care for him, just for care for themselves, that nothing would come upon them, they should listen to the old man. But common sense goes. It's as though God takes that common sense away, hardens their hearts, even as they've hardened their hearts all these years, that they can no longer see, even as Pharaoh's heart was hardened after he had hardened his own heart, so that they can't see, because why the Lord desired to kill them. He was not going to let them just make some surface repentance when deep down they were so corrupt and they did not care for him. They had no desire to follow him. And so he just blinds them. They can't see. They don't understand what their father's speaking about. There's a breaking point. God is merciful abundantly. He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to eternal life. But God cannot be mocked. The Lord cannot be mocked. And there is a breaking point. And it's an important point for our generation because our generation has hardened its hearts to the Lord God. There has been much light and much revelation. We've been in the presence of God in this country, even as Hophni and Phinehas were in the presence of God. There's a point that common sense will be taken away. That even if all the prophecies of the scriptures were beginning to be fulfilled, and any rational person would say, well, it must be true, they won't say it. They won't see it. God will blind because their hearts are not right. So they can't turn to him and be healed. It's too much. Today, if you hear his voice, the scriptures say, do not harden your heart. Harden not your heart. Turn to the Lord while there's still the time to hear, while there's still the time to repent. Because if we keep turning away from God and blaspheming his Holy Spirit, there's a certain point that God says enough. He says enough with these men. They will not listen to the old man and they turn away and they can't be saved because he desires to kill them. And we can feel for Eli in this situation. He has his rebellious sons and he's old and it seems that as he's getting older and he's less able, they're taking more advantage of their position because of his age. The debauching of the women who assembled to serve and worship God was too much, and he speaks out. And Eli's words are right, and they're a rational reproof, but, but what? They're too mild. They're too gentle. They're really too loving. And they have so much love for his sons and care for his sons that he doesn't really love them at all. And someone may be confused by that and say, well, what do you mean? You can love your children so much that you don't really love them at all? 
This is the perfect example of it in the scriptures. This should be a much sharper rebuke. Given the sin, given the degree of sin that contaminates not only his family, but the whole nation of Israel. They are the representatives of God. Moreover, all these years before this, his sons have sinned in service. What should he have done? Long ago, he should have given them the ultimatum. Long ago, if they continued, he should have brought them out before the people and taken them, removed them from their office. They should not be in that office. No matter how much he cares for them, no matter how much he loves them, they should not be in this position. Their hearts are not right with God. If not only for the people's sake, for their sake. He should have spoke out, rebuked them in front of the people, taken them out of office. Because everyone knew clearly what was going on anyway. The people know. They're mumbling among themselves. They know what's going on. Such men cannot serve in the house of God. But by his silence, by his turning the side of the head, by trying not to see, even as an ostrich puts his head in the ground, in the sand, and doesn't see, by his love for them, Eli doesn't love them. And not only that, he's complicit. Because he's the high priest. Even now, he knows what he should do. He should end it, but he doesn't. And what do they do? They pay no attention to the old man. To whom much is given, much is required, and such gross sin should not be in a place of spiritual authority. Eli, remember, was fast to speak out when he thought wrongly that Hannah was drunk before the tabernacle, but he's been very slow to speak out against his sons when they have been sinning as they serve right in the tabernacle door. And Eli otherwise seems blameless, a dedicated servant of God. You read nothing else about him. He serves God. God hears his blessings. But ask yourself this question. Is God first with Eli or are his sons? Who's first with him? Even though he loves God and serves God, his sons are first. Remember, we spoke about Samuel ministering before the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. Any servant or minister, and all believers have some type of service to God in some way, we are first and foremost a servant to God. And God must be above all. We must minister before him, and he must be first. God must be above all. And this is a true statement for all those in authority. God must be above all. And what's true for all those in authority is really true, really, for all believers, right? For all people. God must be above all. If you look at Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14 and verse 25, some difficult things we read here. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace the one who taught us about love. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, 
and yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, how can Jesus say you have to hate? Relative to the love of God, if anything stops us from placing God above all, placing God first, we must hate it. Now, not hate it as the world hates. But we cannot be so in love. Notice he uses the people around in the family. These are the ones that influence us, we're close to. We cannot love them so much. A matter of fact, in a sense, we must hate them compared to God if we're going to love them. The name Shear Jashub comes from the book of Isaiah and means a remnant shall return. The fellowship of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut is dedicated to sending forth the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and witnessing His salvation message to a generation at risk. If you are a Christian and would like to help support this evangelical outreach, donations should be sent to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. Also, if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, we would like to invite you to join us for Sunday worship. Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. Services include praise, worship, communion, and study of the Lord's Word. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shia Jashub.